This is Blind Like Me. Hello, everyone. Interviews, information, and reviews related to living with a vision disability. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been visually impaired since birth. He's been in radio for 30 years and also hosts the podcast Inside Today's Country. Tim has never let his lack of vision stand in his way. Hi, and thanks for listening to this week's edition of Blind Like Me. Thanks for listening to us wherever you find your podcast, and make sure you hit like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming episodes. This week, we talk to the Canadian Federation of the Blind. On the phone, it's Mary Ellen Gabius. Hi, Mary Ellen. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Tim. It's it's great to be here. I'm really happy to talk about the Canadian Federation of the Blind. It's a uh... We're doing some exciting things. This is an organization that uh, I've been hearing about for years, and I know uh, you had me on a panel uh, uh, about a year ago. We were talking about blind people and and work and so forth, so I was on a, on a panel uh, for you guys. So tell me a little bit about where it all started from and who you guys are. Okay. Uh, the Canadian Federation of the Blind is a membership organization made up entirely of blind individuals, at least as far as voting members are concerned. We do welcome sighted people to participate, but because we are a democratic organization made up of blind people, only blind people can vote or hold office. Um, we believe that the the biggest problem that blind people face is not the fact that we don't see. The biggest problem that we face is a lack of training and opportunity and a number of well-intentioned but but incorrect beliefs about blindness that are very common in the public. And so our goal is to advocate for uh, blind people in terms of what's happening with laws, what's happening with things like websites or just in any area where advocacy is needed and to help blind people, some who are newly blind, some who may have been blind for a while but may not have had the opportunity um, to to really grow and develop. We work to mentor one another, it's very much peer to peer. There's, you know, we do have officers and a and a board, but mm-hmm. the mentoring happens across the organization, and and we do uh, what we can to help one another gain the skills and the confidence that we need to be fully participating members of of society. And one of the things that we do, because Canada is so spread out, we do a lot of work on the web. We have a lot of educational material on our website. We have um, a listserv where people can discuss ideas related to blindness. We have, of course, Facebook page and Twitter Mm -hmm. and YouTube. Um, And we hold a lot of peer support and advocacy meetings using conference telephone so that we can pull people together from all across Canada. We also are tied, not at all legally, but very much philosophically, with a large consumer organization in the United States called the National Federation of the Blind. Okay. And the federation in the United States has 50,000 members. And 
what we try to do is to help our people make connections and personal ties with members of the Federation anywhere in North America mm -hmm. because we all have things we can learn from one another. And the Federation in the United States has oh a lot of divisions and groups dealing with different kinds of things, mm -hmm. blind parents, parents of blind children, um, people in different occupational groups, uh, people with different kinds of interests. So somebody in Canada might decide they want to take a, a course with blind crafters over conference phone and you might want to learn how to knit. And, and so they'll meet up with a mentor in the United States who can help them learn how to knit. Or a blind parent might wonder uh, where you know, what kind of stroller to get for an infant mm -hmm. uh, or how to help with homework. So um, there are blind parents in the CFB, but there are, uh, there are even more blind parents if you add in the, those who are active in the United States. So it's a way for us to, to just make connections and add to the possibilities for information sharing and mentoring. And um, the CFB has does its own work that is strictly dealing with Canadian issues. We've been active in trying to help public libraries become more accessible for blind people and, mm -hmm. and been supporting the National Network for Equitable Library Services, for example. Mm -hmm. We made comments on federal and provincial access laws that have been passed right we're currently working with uh the city of trying to convince the city of victoria they've put together some sort of kamikaze bike lanes that uh, pedestrians <laughs> yes. have to cross to get to bus stops and they're those new bike lanes are crazy there now yes we are we're um in, at the human rights tribunal trying very hard to get the city to change the design uh, they ignored their own accessibility committee in putting them together. And now we've had two people who've had canes broken mm -hmm. by bicycles, uh, bicyclists and several other people who've come very close to being injured. And you know, we don't want it to become actually being injured. So we're trying very hard to get that design changed and to get things put there that would mitigate the danger and would give blind people the the capacity to take care of our own safety. Right. So, yeah, we're, we're doing, a, you know, we're involved in a lot of things. Um, now, where do you guys sit federally at the federal level? Because across Canada, we are definitely uh, talking about, uh, you know, the Disability Act and making sure that businesses and communities right across Canada in, in every province uh, you know, are, are following the rules and regulations to make sure that all people with, with disabilities, and especially those who are blind, um, you know, mm -hmm. are, are able to, to get into stores and get to places that they need to go. Making governments in Canada accountable is a little like pinning jello to the wall uh, because there are so many levels, there are local and provincial and federal levels. And our first goal is to help blind people know what belongs at what level and what to take, mm -hmm. you know, is this a federal or provincial or a local issue? And, you know, what can we bring to bear on those? So we do a lot of teaching people 
about how to advocate and where to advocate. And we have members across the country. Um, we are we have organized specific groups in BC and in Ontario, but we have members at large all across the com- uh, the country. And what we do is we gather on the phone nationally once a month to just discuss everything that's going on in Canada and share information. Then, for example, there are Ontario meetings and some provinces, for example, there just aren't that many people in Prince Edward Island. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you, anybody in the Federation can join and participate at, on any level. If you live in PEI, you can go join an Ontario meeting or a BC meeting or a national meeting. Mm-hmm. We want to be flexible so that we can invite and welcome people from anywhere. But as we get enough people in an area who want to organize and focus specifically on provincial issues, then then they put together a kind of a structure and a a way of meeting locally just to discuss those. So. Well, I tell you, where I, I live here in Manitoba, I mean, we, we are certainly behind uh, other communities that I have been in, uh, you know, lived in, especially in Ontario and British Columbia, that, you know, we're still playing catch up here for automated crosswalk, or, you know, the, the audio crosswalks and and mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. There, there are many streets, uh, especially in our community, that are, are major thoroughfares and there's no audible crosswalks or there's new crosswalks being built and they're not turning on the automation system. Uh, as, somebody who has wow. a, as somebody who has a visual impairment, that's frustrating. And and I think a, an organization yeah. like what you guys are, are doing is 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 great to be able to hopefully point people in the right direction to get those people uh, in power in the right spots in government to looking at these people who have visual or any kind of disability. Yeah, there 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 are some good advocacy happening. Um, you know, we work closely on some things with the visually impaired research. Source network in in Manitoba, uh, but you know they're they're a separate entity. They're not the same. Um, we you know we will collaborate on specific issues with any organization of blind people that wants to work on those specific issues. Mm-hmm. You know we're happy to do that. Um, we are very clear who we are, though we are an organization of blind people, and we do not accept a notion that any charitable organization for the blind can speak for the community. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're, we're pretty clear about that. You know, we're, we're trying to help government and other levels at all levels to, to understand that a charities um, that do work with blind people are not our spokespeople speaking for those larger organizations. They weren't elected by any members of the blind community to speak for them, for the community. And so um, that basic democratic concept is still a little hard for people in power to understand mm-hmm. because they've been used to thinking of us as recipients of charity and of the charity is speaking for us for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. and changing that notion is is very difficult 
Is there always a continuous uphill battle, if what I'm hearing is, that that you're always battling upwards? Yeah, um, on, on a couple of levels. Getting our voice recognized as, you know, we're, people are beginning to know who we are uh, and to respect what we contribute as, as a membership organization of blind people. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't know about us yet, mm-hmm. haven't heard of us, don't know who we are or what we do. But the, the whole concept of blind people being in charge of our own lives is still a concept that is not completely understood by some decision makers. You know, mm-hmm. they they think of us as um, being represented by, not just being served by. People well, think CNIB speaks for blind people. We say that CNIB speaks for its own interests. Sometimes those interests parallel the interests of blind people. Sometimes they do not. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when they those interests parallel, we want decision makers to understand that CNIB is a is in the blindness business. It is not a democratically chosen voice of blind people. Mm-hmm. And making that distinction clear is, I think, very important. I have great deal of respect for many of the individuals who work with for CNIB. Uh, I think that the organization, federal level, has much too much of a monopoly position in service provision. Mm-hmm. And monopoly is a great board game, but it's generally not a good organizational structure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we would we would like to see more diverse opportunities for people who are looking for service mm-hmm. because it is blindness isn't a one size fits all characteristic. And um, if there are different entities out there uh, working to give service, then there are likely to be ideas. And there's always a good, you know, when different organizations are doing different things, there can be a healthy competition in that in that oh i'm going to try this this idea and somebody else says yeah that doesn't interest me but i'll try that one mm-hmm. and then blind people can say mm, i like this about this and that about that and and having options is important i i'll add really quickly that the canadian federation of the blind does not want to be a competing service provider to CNIB. That is, you know, we're not trying to take over their gig. Mm-hmm. We we see ourselves as advocates. We see ourselves as people who are prepared to support innovative and good ideas mm-hmm. in training, but we don't want to be the place where you go to learn cane travel, for example. Right. But what we might do as an organization of mentors is have cane walks where, you know, let's say there are six or seven blind people in a community who want to get better using their canes or are a little nervous or, you know, some of them are new. So right. we get a group of blind people and say, okay, we'll meet up at, at, you know, the city hall and we'll take a walk and we'll end the day by having dinner together at right. the local restaurant. So it's becoming more of a community then, really. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. We, you know, we have, for example, especially during COVID, we're doing more online things even than usual. Um, every Thursday, we have a a um, group that we call Kernels of Hope because there's a there's a whole series of books written by blind people about experiences they've had. You know, they're short stories, little mm-hmm. short stories. And um, Kernels of Hope takes some of those stories or experiences blind people have as a jumping off point to discuss, you know, what is it really like when rubber meets the road when you're blind? How do you deal with getting a chance to volunteer when people don't know what to do when you walk in the door? What do you do if you go to a church gathering or a civic organization and you know people want to just sit you in the corner and bring you coffee and cake and kind of leave you there mm-hmm. um what do you do as an individual blind person how can you empower yourself to find ways that work and so if you get six or seven or ten people on the line saying i had that problem and I tried this and it worked. And somebody said, well, and I tried this and it didn't work. Pretty soon, everybody has several strategies that they didn't have before mm-hmm. to, to solve that problem. It's a very strong personal support network. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all confidential. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what people talk about, and I know people have talked about some very deep, personal things that have been real struggles and it's a it's a really warm accepting um atmosphere people hurt with one another and we laugh at the funny things that have happened Mm -hmm. and you know that's we're so spread out we Mm -hmm. can't be a community in the sense this social distancing is the reality of blind people because in any hundred thousand people there might maybe a couple hundred blind people some of whom have you know more interest in getting together with other blind people Mm -hmm. than others so you might not have you know a group of 10 or 20 blind people especially if you live in a small town you might be the only you might be like tigger the onlyest one (laughs) and so true getting getting together with other people that you can just say oh man i just you know Somebody just came up and grabbed me and scared me to death, and I poked him, and you know, I I yep. elbowed him, and I feel really bad. This is the reality, though, is that you know the blind uh, are kind of just thought of as you mentioned. You know, sat down, and here's your coffee, here's your cake, and and uh, we'll kind of deal with you later. But in 2020, yep. in 2020, we can't think that way. We can't think that way with anybody with any kind of disability. And I think mm-hmm. what you're doing with the you know with the support is is amazing. That's one of the reasons that we do what we're doing here with Blind Like Me. Oh yeah, is, is we are we it's... are connecting you know blind people and and hearing your story about what you do is is very intriguing to somebody who you know may be listening to us in the US or somewhere across in in Europe. Yeah, I think it's really important that we connect with one another. You know, there are public issue geeks who love nothing better than to to go testify before their a legislative committee. There are people who are wonderful people who 
would pass out at the very thought of going to speak to <laughs> an MLA. But if the two, you know, if the person who's got really great stories to tell but is afraid of of going and dealing with political things meets up with the geek, the story can be part of the testimony even if it's, you know, second hand. Mm-hmm. The 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 more of a of a sense that we've got one another's backs and that we're there for one another that we can build the easier it is the next time somebody wants to sit us down with a cup of coffee someplace in a corner for us to say oh you know i'll I'll just take my coffee and walk over to this group of people and say hi right because you know that other people have had that problem and have found ways to Mm -hmm. to work on it and Mm -hmm. and you also know that Every blind person sometimes faces circumstances that are challenging and difficult. And even with the best effort in the world, mm-hmm. we don't always succeed because the level of, of goodwill is by no means equaled by the level of understanding. And sometimes, no matter how hard you try and how good you are at it Mm -hmm. there are people who just simply won't budge from their notion of you as a luggage with legs or something (laughs) well and and it's surprising Uh, the amount of people that i've been talking to over the last while and and we're doing you know this series on connecting other blind people uh over the last few weeks and and talking to to different you know uh different blind people and, and sighted people who deal with blind people in their lives and what surprised me, and you alluded to it earlier in your conversation, is the fact that every blind person is not the same. We're not all under the oh. under the same umbrella. Each one of us is different. Uh, you use jaws. Uh, I don't use jaws. Uh, I'm, you know, yeah. I have vision where, you know, other people don't have vision. Uh, and and in our world, we're, we're all different. But at the end of the day, we're all the same. We all still at some point will need somebody's assistance. And, and you can't scoot sure. us back off into the corner. Um, and, and the other thing that I, you know, that you alluded to earlier on in our conversation is those who are blind and visually impaired working in the in the in the working world. It's mm-hmm. it's very interesting, um, you know, that my career uh, changed, and now, of course, I'm 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 doing what I'm doing here with podcasting and other things. But you know, we were we were faced with that going into a possible employer, and the first thing they saw was my cane, and and yeah. and the interview was could almost have been shut down right there. I have the gift of the gab. I've been able to, you know, talk to people for years. So, you know, I ended up talking to the lady about it and, and saying, you know, there's there are ways around um, work, mm-hmm. work, the, a blind person working for you. There are, in 2020, we have the technology that, you know, yeah. somebody with a, with a visual impairment can certainly work for a sighted company. My husband put it this way. Eric Weinmayer is the first and to my knowledge so far the only blind person ever to summit Mount Everest. Okay. And so he's an athlete and he's, you know, he he didn't people just I mean he actually is a good enough mountaineer to have done his fair share. He wasn't just sort of dragged up to the top to make a point that blind people could do it. He actually what is an athlete and a mountaineer and 
yet if he were to even though he's climbed Mount Everest, if he were to stand at a bus stop, the bus driver would automatically lower the floor for him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with having the bus floor lowered, but the assumption that that he was less mobile mm-hmm. and people would automatically want him to take the elevator rather than the stairs, even though he climb Mount Everest, people see his cane and they react based on what they believe Mm -hmm. is possible for a blind person. And the truth is, I I wouldn't even, you know, I've never done even basic rock climbing. I'm afraid of heights. No way are you going to get me on a mountain. Um, We're all different. I'm just beginning to think I better get off the couch during this COVID (laughs) thing and do more exercising. But my you know, some of us are sedentary, some of us are athletic, some of us are articulate, some mm-hmm. of us have trouble speaking. Um, some of us have been blind for a long time and know a lot of Braille and no technology. Some of us are very newly blind and we're not even sure how to pour a cup of coffee without spilling it. Right. There's just such a range of skills and and abilities and and personal differences and we don't all have to be the same and we certainly don't need to create some kind of hierarchy where we judge one another based on how well can you do this or how well can you mm-hmm. do that judging one another's skill level is never of uh, uh, you know, feeling superior or inferior about one's level of blindness skills mm-hmm. is a recipe for for misery. Mm-hmm. Um, but helping somebody who may not know something that you know mm-hmm. can empower the teacher and the learner. And when it comes to blind people, all of us are teachers sometimes, and all of us are learners sometimes. Mm-hmm. The newest the person who is newest to blindness might very easily teach an old hand something that that they hadn't thought of before. Yeah. And so if we approach one another with the re- clear understanding that none of us has lived up to the potential that blind people have because we haven't finished exploring that yet, mm-hmm. that there's a... That, that the limitations of blindness are real, they exist, but we haven't expanded our own capacity to equal those limits yet. And with changing technology, those limits change all the time. And so if we can think of meeting blind people with different skills and different levels of understanding than we have as a fabulous opportunity to grow and develop and to become stronger together, mm-hmm. then, then a lot of the, um, I'm not as good as he is at that, or I'm better than she is at the other thing mm-hmm. will disappear. And we'll just see ourselves as a reservoir of potential strength and encouragement. Does it still surprise you in this day and age that people still are taken aback by somebody who is blind? It happens. I'm 
going to be 68, so I've been around the block several times. I am surprised sometimes by the level of genuine understanding and positive support. And then two minutes later, I'll meet someone else whose level of ignorance astonishes me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been asked for directions by sighted people who... Mm-hmm. <laughs> who just assumed that, of course, I could tell them where they needed to get to. Sure. And then I have had somebody come up to me and tell me that I was very brave for walking into the mall, to which I replied, no, my husband's the brave one. I've got full access to his paycheck. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's um, we sometimes get credited with marvelous abilities for doing ordinary things right and that's unwarranted and right. you know i'm not interested in being somebody else's inspiration porn mm-hmm. but at the same time i recognize that i may be the first blind person someone has met and they don't have mm-hmm. enough background to to you know they don't know what they don't know yeah and so the interesting balance is maintaining my dignity and my sense of myself, while at the same time giving someone who has just said something really stupid and ignorant uh, enough grace and enough room so that they can learn. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes people say things that are so frustratingly stupid that I want to snap <laughs> back. And and most of the time I don't. Right. But um, – at the same time, I am not willing, if someone speaks to my companion instead of me, the first time I will just answer the question and hope that that will switch it. Um, but if the person persists in speaking to my friend instead of me, mm-hmm. I I think that the the most kind thing I can do to them is to say, um, would you please speak to me directly? My friend does not know the answers that I will give, but I can talk with you. Right. And that is a bit confrontational, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But if I if I say it with courtesy, um, they will have had a chance to learn something, and I will not have compromised my sense of myself just to make somebody else feel better because if you aid in a bad ignorance it really isn't kindness to the other person at all how does one become a member oh i'm glad you asked i would have been terrible to go away without <laughs> answering that question um you can what you can do is our website it's in the midst of being redone a bit so it may be rocky for a little while but it's www.cf b.ca you can write to to info at cfb.ca email and and ask any questions and get to know us we invite people to join us dues are not going to break anybody's bank they're five dollars a year and people join initially as as supporting members or and um, spend time getting to know us finding out what we do figuring out where they would like to to help um, learning more about what we're involved in. Um, We give people time to get to know us like most philanthropic and, you know, membership organizations Mm -hmm. um, so that they can 
really know that we're for them. And if, if they decide that we are great and if they decide that we're not no harm, no foul. Um, and so that's what we do. If you just contact us, you can also, we have a, a listserv and it's, Sometimes it's just announcements of things that are of interest to blind people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get into really interesting discussions about what has happened to you with relation to COVID mm-hmm. and isolation that has worked well and what hasn't worked well. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, somebody will say, I've got a cousin who always treats me like I'm two. Mm-hmm. What do you, you know, how can I? shift this guy's thinking about me mm-hmm. you know you never know what kind of question you'll get or does anybody know a good app for twitter right. <laughs> on an iphone right you it it's just and sometimes it's a lot of messages sometimes it's you know pretty low volume it just depends and you can people are welcome whether they're members or not to join that is that on your website just, if you just if you just write to info at cfb.ca, okay. we'll we'll connect you. And we meet once a month on the, nationally on the second Saturday of every month at uh, one o'clock in Winnipeg, three o'clock in Prince Edward Island, and three thirty in Newfoundland, eleven o'clock Pacific time Excellent. on the second Saturday of every month. And our meetings run approximately an hour and a half, and people from all over the country participate. And then we have our Kernels of Hope meeting and we have an employment mastermind group Mm -hmm. that helps connect people with helps connect people with employers, also gives people a chance to hear the stories of blind people who have jobs Mm -hmm. uh, and to raise, you know, questions about hey, I want to work at this call center, but I don't know whether that their technology is accessible. Anything related to employment, that's another thing that we can do. And we have the Ontario group meets at two and talks mm-hmm. about Ontario-specific things. So there are just a number of ways to connect. And um, we will oftentimes introduce people mm-hmm. to, to others who share their interests and help people make personal connections so that, you know, there've been a lot of friendships that have developed Mm -hmm. through the CFB and, you know, we're, we're pretty flexible. We're, we're kind of lean and light on our feet because we're, (laughs) we just don't have a bureaucracy. We don't have, and we don't have any paid staff. Right. We don't have a physical office. Um, It's completely volunteer driven and we do have a convention once a year there won't be one this year for obvious reasons Correct. but we're meeting in vancouver at the atrium next may in 2021 okay. we know that already and we do what we can to help people attend um by the way if anyone wants to participate in the national federation of the blind convention in the u.s it's going to be a virtual convention this year and registration is free participation is open to all and we would love to have a hundred Canadians participating. Uh, we'll work toward having a Canadian um, gathering just kind of in conjunction with that convention and um, go to nfb.org and, and there'll be a link to the national convention and you can register 
registering gives you a lot of information about what's happening and how it's, you know, gives you access to the agenda early and that sort of thing. So Mary Ellen, we could, we could talk for hours. You are a lady full of information. Which is a very kind way of saying I never stop talking. <laughs> it's been one of the e- easiest interviews I've ever had to do, i got to tell you, and I've been doing this for quite a long time. Thanks very much for filling us in about the CFB. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and telling us all about it, and I look forward to hearing more about your organization and also seeing more about what you guys are going to be doing as we move forward well, we in the would, future. We would very much like to have you come to one of our meetings and explain the blind like me podcast because i think that it's a re and you know if you send information about it uh we that's the kind of information we put on our listserv and i've already got my five bucks up so i'm going to be joining as a member and if there's anything that we can do we would love to be part of it great welcome barry ellen thanks very much for spending some time with us on blind like me thank you thanks for listening to blind like me if you have a comment or suggestion about future casts drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. Blind Like Me is a timblackonair.com production.